That's why I'm really excited today to get into the Word again and just to pick up where we left off last week. So I will start actually right here in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 5, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Very good. Well, question, what was I thinking? Have you ever asked that question before? Have you ever asked yourself, what was I thinking? Maybe you're like one of these two uh, people here. Um, oh, and I got these out of line, so I'm going to jump ahead here. Here's a go. Maybe you're like one of these two people. You know, you look back when you're growing up and you think, what was I thinking? You know, you got to go to your senior prom or something, and it's like, what was I thinking? Years later, we kind of asked that question. Maybe you were kind of a daredevil growing up. You did some crazy things, and, and you find an old photo like this, and you're like, what was I thinking? You know, it's kind of like, what was, what was I up to in that sense? Maybe you have one of those years, you know, at Christmas where you just went really crazy, and, and you spent more than you should, and you, you, know, you shouldn't, have, shouldn't have it. You used your credit card, and, and along comes January, and you're like, what was I thinking? What? was, I think you want to talk about that question today, really from a little different angle, want to talk about um, the reality of what am I thinking. When we ask that question, what was I thinking? You know, what we're really saying is we're, we're kind of, it's kind of like an excuse almost. It's kind of like, well, I wasn't thinking. That's really what we mean when we say that. I really wasn't thinking then, so that's my excuse. But that's a poor excuse because we're always thinking and we're always making choices in life. And today we want to look at this question, what am I thinking? That's the reality. What am I thinking? And, uh, and what does that look like from a spiritual perspective and a practical perspective? perspective in my life. So we're in this series Easter people looking at what it means to be people of the resurrection who don't celebrate Easter one day of the year but every day of the year, every day of our life is a day of resurrection, a day that we believe in the resurrection and the resurrection in us. And we talk about these two phrases lots of times, mentioned this last week, the power of the resurrection and our identity in Christ. And, and I think many times those become catchphrases. But are they practical theology? Is that what really resonates in my life? Do I really live with the power of the resurrection? Do I really live out the identity of Christ? And so last week we asked that question, who am I really? I mean, really, who am I? And we've all been designed to find our identity in Christ, so we need to just kind of ask that question again. Who am I really? We talk about it all the time. But what is it, honestly, what does it mean to find my identity in Christ? So I want to go back to, to two points I mentioned last week and build from there this morning. So here's a reality check, first of all. Number one, we said this last week, we have a sin problem, not a sin nature. 
And the obvious question that comes up when people say that is, well, what's the difference? Isn't it the same thing? Well, it's not the same thing. And we've unpacked this really well last week, and, and I can't go through it all again. But the reality is we have a sin problem, not a sin nature, and there is a difference because the reality is my nature is who I am. It defines me. And so I'm not defined by sin. I'm not defined by my past. I'm not defined by my mistakes or my behaviors. And uh, so I have a new creation in Christ. And we said last week, it's, it's like this. We are locationally in one of two places. I am either in Christ, or I'm in the Spirit, or I'm in Adam, and I'm in the flesh. And again, it's not about behavior. Because this whole idea, you know, I got two natures and I got this behavior war inside of me between right and wrong and good and evil. That's not what's going on. It, it, what the Bible is all about is I'm either dead in Adam or I'm alive in Christ. One of two things. And Christ is my life and Christ is how I live and demonstrate the behavior that I want to demonstrate. We had that list a couple weeks ago of all those behavior traits, right? No, they're not behavior traits. That's my identity in Christ. So we can look at things in the Bible and say, here's all my character. Here's what I've got to work really hard to perform to, to, to achieve. Or I can say, this is who I am in Christ. This is my identity. I just need to be who I am. And I will have the behavior that I want. So that is the first uh, really reality check. We're going to unpack this today because what is a sin problem and how do I handle my sin problem? That's the heart of today's message. The second reality check then, of course, is that we are a new creation in Christ. And the illustration I used last week, I'll revisit it again, and it's not mine. I wish I could claim credit for this. It's a phenomenal illustration. But Andrew Farley in the Naked Gospel says it's like a computer. A brand, you get a brand new computer, a brand new iMac, you know, whatever, latest version of it. It's, it's a brand new computer. We are a brand new creation in Christ. But that computer runs software. And if I take some old software from 10 years ago and put it on that new computer, it probably won't run or it won't run right. It'll give me all kinds of headaches and heartaches. It'll be really a challenging thing. And so the reality is, is that I need, need to run the right software. In fact... I need to, you know how your computer has those, you get those messages, you need to download these, these latest updates, right? And you, you download those to protect yourself from viruses and other things so the computer runs optimally. And many times, if you're like me, I've, I've done this now for the last two weeks. Sorry, Dan, because Dan's the complete opposite of this, but I keep clicking, remind me tomorrow, <laughs> you know? Just remind me tomorrow. I don't want to stop and deal with it now. Um, and uh, I shouldn't do that, but I do. But, we, you know, we're the new computer. We need to download those updates. We need to renew our thinking every day. That's the key to our Christian walk and really walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So we are a brand new creation in Christ. And, of course, as we said, what's, what's the problem of sin then versus our nature? It's like that com computer virus. Sin is like a parasite that infects us and then it travels to our mind or to our eyes or to our feet or wherever and it causes me to do things I don't want to do and to use my members, as Paul would say, for unrighteous acts and deeds and that's not what I want to do. So I need to download those uh, updates because they protect me from viruses and from sin. So the biggest issue people have with this idea that we don't have a sin nature, the biggest issue is we struggle with sin every day. We struggle with sin. It's like, how can I not have a sin nature inside of me? I struggle with sin so terribly. Well, we're going to look at that today. Here is today's big idea. It's a great one. I used to be dead in sin, 
but thanks be to Christ, I am now dead to sin. There's a big difference there. I once was dead in sin. I was in Adam, unable to do anything, and now I'm dead to sin. I'm empowered to stand up to sin, find victory over sin, and live a life that I truly want to live in Christ. We are all designed to find our identity in Christ, and if you are in Christ, He is your identity. So how do we overcome sin? Two steps today. Two simple steps to overcoming sin. And we'll we'll unpack them right now. Okay, to overcome sin, we need to see ourselves as we are, not as we were. Sounds a lot like last week a little bit here, but to overcome sin, we need to see ourselves as we are, not as we were. I'm a new creation, so I need to see myself as a new creation. Remember again, my identity in Christ is supposed to shape my behavior. Just remember that all those things we see in Scripture, they define me. It's not behavior I struggle to, to perform and live out. It's, it's who I am in Christ. And when Christ is alive in me, that's what people will see. So look here, Romans chapter 6. Here's what Paul says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We're dead to sin. We talked about that last week, what that means. Okay, uh, going on, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So my old man, my sin nature has been brought to nothing. It's dead. I'm a new creation. Verse 11. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Notice there, Paul says you're dead to sin. He says, consider yourselves dead to sin. So, I need to see myself not as I was, but as I am today, okay? So, it means consider yourselves dead to sin. I am dead to sin. I need to see myself that way. I need to believe I'm dead to sin. When I'm tempted by sin, I need to simply look at that sin and say, you know what, I'm dead to you. I don't really want to do you. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to engage you. You are dead to me. And I am dead to sin. Goes on, he says, secondly, consider yourselves alive to God. Dead to sin, but alive to God. How great, how amazing is that? Here's what he says in verse 10 again. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And he lives that life to God within us. Verse 11, so you also, see God considers you dead to sin. God says the the old man in you is dead. He's buried. He's gone. You're a new creation. So you must, just like God, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. See yourselves as you are, not as you were. Now, there's a great illustration that James gives us of this. Look at this and follow this with me in James chapter 1. Here's what James writes. James is going to kind of help us with this a little bit. He's got a great illustration. Therefore, James says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. God's going to take his word and plant it in your life. It's kind of like those those software updates we need to get. We need to renew ourselves with the Word of God and God will implant the Word in us. He goes on, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. 
But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So you want to do the word of God? You want to do the things you want to do? What is James telling us? Well, James says the person who doesn't do what he wants to do, it's like the person who looks in the mirror, sees himself, walks away, and forgets what he looked like. The reverse of that would be real simple. What? If I want to do what I'm supposed to do or what I want to do, I look in the mirror, and when I walk away, I remember who I am. I remember who I am in Christ. Consider yourselves as God considers you. God says you're dead to sin. You need to consider yourself dead to sin. See yourself just like God sees you. In fact, here's how James would say it. To do what I want, I must remember who I am. To do what I want to do, i got to remember who I am. What is my identity? How does the scriptures define me? When I look into the word of God, when I look into the mirror of God's word, what do I see? And uh, to do what I want, I must remember who I am. Now think about this. James says to be a doer of the word. Remember what Paul said in Romans 7? We're primarily today in Romans 6, 7, and 8. What did Paul say in Romans 7? Well, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I do want to do, well, I don't do those things. So Paul had a doing problem, right? Paul had a doing problem, and it's really fascinating. Why did Paul have a doing problem? Because, and here's, I didn't really quite think I grasped this until recently, why Paul had a doing problem in Romans 7 is because he was looking at the law. And when you look at the law, the law causes you to sin, and the law brings death. It's kind of like, I don't know if I ever used this illustration with you or not. <clears throat> Try an illustration. For the next 10 seconds, nobody is to think about a pink, purple, polka-dotted cow, okay? For 10 seconds, nobody can think about a pink, purple, polka-dotted cow, all right? Now, tonight, you're going to be laying in bed thinking about what? A pink, purple, polka-dotted cow. That's what the law does. Law says, don't do this, and we say, oh, wow, I think I want to do that. So that's what Paul's illustration in Romans 7 is. Law tells me not to covet, and I said, I shouldn't covet, but I wanted to covet. So that's the reality, Romans 7. For while we were living in the flesh, here's Paul's words, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. It's like the little kid. You say, the little kid, whatever you do, don't touch the stove, it's hot. And the little kid learns the hard way to listen to mom and dad and not touch the stove. Verse 6, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So Paul is saying there was this law that I was under, and when I was under the law, I really struggled to do what I was supposed to do. Now there's a beautiful reality here because what did James talk about? James talked about looking into the perfect law, the law of liberty. What's the law of liberty? I think that'd be Christ. I think the law of liberty is looking into Christ. It is our freedom and our reflection in Christ. We've talked about this a lot lately. So I can focus on the law, what I'm not supposed to do and struggle to do it, or I can focus on Christ. I can look into Christ and see the freedom I have in Christ, my reflection in Christ. I'm supposed to look at Christ and see myself. I'm supposed to see myself in Christ, in Christ in me, like in a mirror. When I see that way, wow, that's victory. That's when I do, James says, what I want to do. When I look in the mirror and forget what I look like, then I don't do. So remember who you are in Christ. Focus on that. Get those, renew your mind with those updates, and, uh, and it will change who you are. Let me, before I go on, let me give you this story here. 
then I think uh, just as kind of a clarification point. You probably know Ted Giannoulis, even if you've never heard his name. He has been the San Diego chicken for 30 years. But Ted is getting older. At age 50, being the chicken has been his life and his whole identity. His face is never photographed unless he is in costume. No one knows the real Ted. He has no family. At first, he loved his alter ego. I discovered an untapped personality in that suit, he said. It was like, now I have freedom. Now I'm no longer Ted. But there is a price to pay. Dave Raymond, who for years wore the costume of the Philly fanatic, said, Giannis was the first and, and the funniest, and I have nothing but respect for him. But if you're not careful, you can lose yourself in that suit. Ted himself says, I have plenty of chicken stories. I'm afraid I don't have any Ted stories. Here's the point. There are countless people all over the world today who are not their real authentic self. They're not who God created them to be. And they wear a costume and they wear a mask and they pretend there's something that they're not because they don't want to just face the pain maybe of their life, whatever it is. What you have to understand, if we talk about finding our identity in Christ and finding ourselves in Christ, that does not mean I stop being me. I, I am uniquely created to be who I am. And here's the reality is that God wants people to see Christ through me. I was thinking about the scriptures, the Bible we have. God wrote us a Bible and he wrote it through human authors, through Peter and Paul and James and John and David and Moses. And they're all broken, flawed, sinful people who have distinct personalities and distinct experiences. And God wrote the scriptures through their life. How much more will God not tell his story through your life. So I'm not saying that Christianity and our identity in Christ is like some mask I put on and I'm not really me and people don't really see me and I just pretend to be something I'm not. There's too much of that in the church, too much pretending in the church that we're something we're not. No. So just remember that. It is not Christ, not just Christ in me, it is Christ with me and Christ through me. Christ empowering me. God's really been been dealing with this, this thought in my mind. Here's another way. God wants to tell his story through your story for his glory. There's a fine line in this here. There's, I was thinking about this phrase that I could say that apart from Christ, I am wholly inadequate. Right? Apart from Christ, I am wholly inadequate. And that sounds like a great, very noble, very holy phrase. There's one problem with that phrase. I'm never apart from Christ. I'm never apart from Christ. So to say, apart from Christ, I'm wholly inadequate as a believer, that's just not an option. I'm never apart from Christ. It would be better to say something like this. In Christ, I am never inadequate. You are never inadequate because you're in Christ, positionally in Christ. Now, how we choose to live and how we think and our thought process, we're going to get into that here, that really makes the difference. It's kind of like I have the power of the resurrection in me. If I give in to sin, if I fail in my battle against sin, does that mean the power was not in me? No, power was in me. I just didn't use it. So that's the reality. So anyway, just, just know that clarification. See yourself as you are, not as you were. You are in Christ. He is your identity, but you're still you. And God is using your story to tell his story for his glory. Okay, to overcome sin, number two, we need to think as we are and not as we were. So I see myself, I look in the mirror, I see who I am, I remember who I am, I say this is who I am, and then I walk away and I think those kinds of thoughts. I think new creation thoughts, I think new man thoughts, not old man 
thoughts. And this really is the key to really how we live out our life successfully, how we really deal with this problem of sin. Like I said at the outset, what was I thinking? We ask that question. We need to ask it every day. What am I thinking? Today, in this situation, what am I thinking? Am I thinking new creation thought? Am I thinking new man thoughts? Or am I thinking like the old man? See, here's... Better? Okay. So, uh, but, but see, here's the reality. So I don't have a sin nature. I have a sin problem, okay? But, but the, the reality is, is though I am a new creation, sometimes I can think like the old man. I got all these habits. I got all these memories. You take the person who's an alcoholic and they get saved. Sometimes this, this happens, but usually what happens, that alcoholic still struggles with alcohol. He doesn't instantly get healed of his alcohol. He has all that the way he's been living for years to process. Sometimes people are healed instantly. I've heard stories like that. But the reality is, you can be, you can be living for 50 years in Adam, dead. You can become saved Overnight, you still have all those habits, all those memories, all the way you've processed life, all the thinking, and you have to what? You have to grow in the Scriptures, grow in your relationship with Christ. You have to learn to think like the new man, not like the old man. 1 Corinthians 14.20, and here is how... um, this is what, the Corinthians were notorious for really being kind of immature sometimes, and so Paul wrote this to them. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. It's old man versus new man thinking. That's the underlying idea. Now, a couple things that will help us with this. Number one, know this. Reality check. Every thought we have is not our own. I just understand that. Every thought that enters my mind, it's not me speaking to me or God speaking to me even. Sin comes along and speaks to me and entices me. Satan whispers in my ear. My flesh kind of gets stirred up, you know, within me. The world around me will speak to me. I have all these things going on. So every thought we have is not our known. We need to understand this. And we need to understand that the flesh, okay, We defined the flesh last week, you know, those coping mechanisms, those worldly strategies, you know, the old man thinking that's our flesh. Okay, um, the reality is, is that my flesh will lie to me. I'll give you three of the most common lies your flesh is going to tell you. Number one is that we want to sin. Flesh comes along and says, yeah, you want that. Just like Satan said to Adam and Eve, yeah, you want that apple, don't you? Yeah, you want to eat that fruit. And the, the reason is we don't want to sin. And and this is very clear. You know why? Because every time we sin, we immediately feel what? Guilt, shame, disappointment, sadness, and grief, to name a few things. We don't want to sin. Paul said it himself. I don't want to sin. I do the things I don't want to do. And and he was never happy when he did them. We regret it when we sin. We do not want to sin. Here's what Paul says in Romans 6. For when when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end result of those things is death. Did you hear what he said there? What fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? Going on. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and eternal life. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying you used to be dead in your sins. You were in Adam. You were dead. And you did some things, and at the time, you didn't care. 
you just did these things that didn't bother you at all. And then you got saved, and now you're a new man, and you look back on what you did when you were the old dead man, and you're ashamed of those things. You're like, wow, I can't believe I did that. I'm so ashamed of that. And God comes and says, you don't have to be ashamed. You're a new creation. Just let the, you know, that's old man thinking, let that go. Don't dwell on that. You're a new creation in Christ. But even, here's the, the other thing, is sometimes I am a brand new creation in Christ, right? And even as a new creation in Christ, I'd what? I'd, I act like the old man, and I do things even now as a new creation, and I'm ashamed of those things, and I feel that guilt and that regret and that remorse and that grief and that shame, and it rises up. You see, we don't want to sin. We don't want to sin. But the flesh comes along and says, yeah, you want to sin. Remember what we said last week? And this is, this is that verse, and I put it on a different translation. This is when Paul always says, oh, what a wretched man I am. And I never had really looked at this until last week. What a wretched man I am. I thought, well, yeah, we are wretched, you know. We're sinful, we're wretched, right, you know. But I thought that's so contrary because Paul always says we're saints and we're holy and we're righteous. And then you look at it up and you look at it in the Greek and you look at some translations, you see a better word almost is, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Paul's not saying, boy, I have a terrible terrible nature. I have a terrible character. No, he's saying, I feel terrible when I struggle and give in to sin. I just feel terrible. What a miserable person I am. And I agree with that. Second lie that the flesh tells us is I'm powerless against sin. You ever have a sin? You just constantly lose to this sin. You just, it just constantly knocks you down. And after a while, you feel like, yeah, I'm just powerless to this. You want to control your anger. You want to control your tongue. You want to control your emotions. You want to be more patient. You want to stop that controlling and destructive habit. You want to guard your eyes. You want to guard your thought. And over and over, the same sin keeps tripping you up. And eventually, you say, yeah, I guess the flesh is right. You know, I'm just... I'm just powerless against this sin. And again, that's a lie. Romans chapter 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him. Why was he crucified with him? In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. My whole man might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be, what? Enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Does sin have any power in our life? Sin is powerless in our life. It has been rendered powerless by Christ and by the cross. And I am talking today about overcoming sin purposely and not defeating sin. I don't need to defeat sin. God defeated sin. I need to walk in victory and overcome sin. That is the reality. Now, let me tell you something else, though, that's even greater. Think about this, okay? So sin has been rendered powerless. I have been rendered what? Powerful, right? So sin has been defeated at the cross. It has no power. And then Christ comes in and dwells in me, lives in me, and says, you have the power of the resurrection. You are powerful. And we sit over here and say, oh, I just can't get over this sin. <laughs> I am just, what a lie. You know, the, the, the flesh just feeds us a, a lie. So just think about that. Number three, I am defined by my sin. And that's what the third thing that comes along and the, and the flesh lies to us. And we've been saying again, okay, right? My identity is supposed to shape my behavior. You got to see this in reverse. 
Think about it in reverse. My identity in Christ is to shape my behavior. What that means is that my behavior in the flesh will never shape my identity in Christ. What I do never defines me. It works in reverse. <clears throat> because sin is not my nature. It is a problem. It is a parasite. It is a headache. It makes me miserable, but it does not define me. And it will never shape who I am in Christ. Okay, today's big idea. I used to be dead in sin, but thanks be to God, I am now dead to sin. I think it is so wonderful, so beautiful. We need to get up every day and say, you know what, I'm dead. I was dead in sin, but today I am dead to sin. Sin does not have any power over me. My flesh will never define me, but Christ always will. Okay, now here's what I want to do. I want to walk through the spiritual reality of my thought life here briefly. Go, go through Romans 8, just kind of unpack a few things in Romans 8 here and, and make this look even more practical for us if we can. Romans 8 chapter 1, we read this at the outset. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are locationally in Christ Jesus. If you are in Adam in the flesh, if you are dead in your sin, yes, there's condemnation because the wages of sin is death. But if we're in Christ, he paid the wages of our sin. He took death on for us. Romans 8, 5, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You know, my English Standard Version, I usually use the English Standard Version, it says, for those who live according to the flesh. And I chose the NASB because it does a much better job here. Because live according to sounds kind of like, well, it's my behavior, how I'm living, but it's not. This is all about location again. For those who are according, our location is according to the flesh, we set their minds on the flesh. Those who are according to the Spirit sets their minds on the Spirit. And what he's saying there is basically, if I am in Christ, if I'm in the Spirit, what's, where's the most logical place for my mind to be set? On the Spirit, right? That's the most logical place. And if it's not set on the Spirit, that will lead to conflict. Going on, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. It is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, just the natural place for my mind, if I'm in Christ, is to have my mind set on the flesh. So we have two things going on here. I have my location where I'm in. I'm either in Christ or I'm in Adam. <clears throat> However, if you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So we are not in the flesh, we are in the Spirit. Now, two things here. Locationally, we're in, in either Adam or Christ, and then we set our mind someplace. Now, here's the thing to, to keep in mind. Um, the person who is in the flesh, can they set their mind on the Spirit? Can they walk in the power of the Spirit? No. They're not even able to do so, it says. They're hostile towards God. It is not even able to do so, to subject itself to the law of God. And the law of God there is not talking about the Mosaic law. It's talking about principles and powers. Um, and uh, th that's the implication of the word law there. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, why is it that a person in the flesh cannot subject itself to the law of God? Anybody know why? It's dead. It's dead. It's like going to a dead corpse and saying, hey, get up and live for God. Be patient, be kind, be holy. Yeah, it's dead. It doesn't know God. 
has no relationship. It's dead. And so it's like talking to a dead corpse and telling it to do something, and it can't. Now, can people in the flesh learn how to be happy and grateful and thankful? And, and you, can learn those, you can learn those life management skills in the flesh, but you're not responding to the Spirit. You're just, that's just yourself, you know, learning that, hey, when I'm grateful, it gets me farther in life. When I'm humble, I get farther in life. And, but I'm not responding to the Spirit. I'm not responding to the Spirit. So, that person in the flesh, it has no choice. But here's the thing. If we are in Christ, we have a choice. So, I'm locationally in Christ. I'm in the Spirit. Now, I have a choice. I can set my mind where it should be on the Spirit. That's the natural place. Or I can set my mind on the flesh. And that's, that's, that's the sin problem in our life and where it really gets worked out. And if I want to defeat the sin problem, I need to think as I am, not as I was. That's the reality. Think about that. And remember that if I am in Christ and I set my mind on the Spirit, well, that'd be great. If I set it on the flesh, that's where conflict comes in. I said it last week. Anytime I'm in Christ and I walk in the flesh, that leads to conflict. Let me show you a great verse. Um. The key to overcoming sin is where we set our mind, okay? The key to where we, overcoming sin is where we set our mind, flesh, spirit, okay? Now look at this verse in Philippians. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and what? The God of peace will be with you. What's Paul saying? If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ and you set your mind on the Spirit, what's the end result? A life of peace. If you are in Christ, the reverse will be true and you set your mind on the flesh. Paul tells us in Romans 7, what a miserable person I am. I just can't stand it. Because we're not designed to have our minds set on the flesh. It's to, to be set on the Spirit. And this is the battle every one of us we're facing every day. This is the sin parasite, the sin problem, the sin principle in our life that we are working out. It's where is my mind set. That is the reality. So, the key to overcoming sin is where we set our mind. Now, let's get real practical a minute and as we kind of bring this in today, look at some old man, new man thinking here just as a contrast. And remember this. Think about this, okay? To set our mind on the Spirit is peace. Always will be peace in our life. We set our mind on the Spirit. Think about this. Um, <clears throat> we said that one already. Okay. If you abide in my word, here's, what, here's what, what John wrote. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's the thing. The flesh, set your mind on the flesh, old man thinking, always going to lie to you. Set your mind on the spirit, spirit's always going to tell you the truth. And the truth is going to set you free. And you don't want to be a miserable person, you want to be a person who walks in peace every day, you got to set your mind on the spirit and you got to know the truth. So, I was wronged, right? I was wronged. What does the old man tell me to do? Well, the old man tells me that vengeance, you know, that's get revenge, get even. What does the Spirit tell us? Spirit tells us that vengeance does not bring justice. Vengeance does not bring justice. Vengeance is mine, right? Says the Lord, vengeance does not.
bring justice. But that's our attitude sometimes, right? The old man's saying, you need to get even with that person. And the, and the old man, the fleshly thinking, justifies it. It says, well, he deserves it, and this is the right thing to do, and you should get even, and he will learn from this, right? And the Spirit says no. The Spirit says forgiveness, mercy, grace, peace. Be Christ. Live Christ. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is not vengeance and revenge. And it, No, your identity is forgiveness and mercy and grace and peace and love, compassion, kindness. I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. What does the flesh do when you're all stressed out? The flesh says, well, you know what? You, you can find some, some relief. You can find some comfort over here in these different, uh, it'll give us all kinds of different things. You know, it's Friday night. It's been a long week. We're really stressed out. I think I read sometime, I was going to try to verify this. I read this sometime back that, that the, 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 they've done studies the, the, the time when people say they give in to sin the most and temptation the most is on Friday night. Go figure. It's the end of a long week. We're tired. And so we get tempted in the flesh again. The flesh will try and make this justifiable. It tells us we have worked hard. It tells us we deserve to indulge this desire. It tells us that to do so will bring us comfort. Now, do you think this sounds true or not? Here's an example. Have you ever heard of comfort food? <laughs> or guilty pleasures? Now, you know what's really funny about those things is really those are, those are really innocent. I mean, let's, let's be honest. There's nothing sinful about macaroni and cheese or fried chicken. And that's comfort food, and I like that as well as anybody. And there's really nothing sinful about, you know, eating half a bowl of ice cream or half a thing of ice cream as a guilty pleasure. I mean, there's really not a, probably a sinful thing in that. Um, but, yeah. But the reality is, at the same time, we should not find our comfort in food. No, we shouldn't. We should not find our comfort in movies filled with sex, sex, and more sex. We should not find our comfort in alcohol. Is it wrong to drink alcohol? The Bible doesn't say it's wrong to drink alcohol. But you could make the case that if you use alcohol to bring down your stress and find comfort, you can make the case that, you know what? Yeah, that might be a sin. In fact, that could be cheating on Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. Think what Jesus said. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So where do you go when you're stressed out? Do you go to the bottle? Do you go to Christ? Do you go to drugs? Do you go to Christ? Do you go to certain kind of movies? Do you go to Christ? What do you do to release the emotional stress after a long week? Yeah, we're all there. New man, old man thinking. And then finally, I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm not happy. So what do I do to be happy? Well, the reality is, while the flesh is going to tell me, oh, you just need to be successful in this world. You just need to, you know, accumulate more possessions and you need to become more popular and you need to make more money and you need to climb, climb the career ladder and all that stuff. And yet the bottom line is worldly success cannot bring happiness, never will. In fact, you want to know the truth? Worldly success brings what? It brings emptiness. That's the truth. Spirit will tell you the truth. God will tell you the truth. Pursue all those things to your peril. You'll leave, you'll left feeling miserable and empty. That's the reality. But the flesh, old man thinking, is going to tell you, no, you, you want to get all you can in this world. And the reality is once we do that, once you've climbed the ladder and reached the top, how do you admit? How do you admit that you were wrong? 
How do you admit that you chased the wrong things in life? How do you do that? And so you just put that mask on and you just pretend like my life is great and I got everything I wanted and I, boy, it couldn't be any better. And inside, you feel terrible. The brilliant American writer David Foster Wallace committed suicide on September 12, 2008. He was only 46 years old. For many months prior to his death, Wallace had been in a deep depression. About 10 years after Wallace's death, David, Dr. David Kessler, MD, wrote an article in Psychology Today ref reflecting on what had caused Wallace's tragic end. Wallace's 2008 suicide at the age of 46 devastated the literary community. He was at the time acclaimed as the boldest, most innovative writer of his generation. Despite Wallace's frustration with his inability to complete the book, The Pale King, in some ways his life had never been better. He had, he had married four years earlier and was comfortably settled in California with a teaching job he loved. Why then did he take his own life? Wallace's life offers an example of what can happen when striving perfectionism, which evolves into relentless self-criticism and becomes coupled with an uncanny ability to analyze the flaws in one's own analysis. Wallace was caught up by this very loop, which resulted in a despair that ultimately he could not conceive of ever escaping. Yet swimming upstream through his own torrent of disapproval, Wallace always hoped for more, more achievement, more recognition, more love. And the old man lied to him and the flesh lied to him and he pursued more in this world and he ended up empty till the point of suicide. What voices are we listening to? What am I thinking? I need to, I need to think as I am, not as I was. That's the simple reality. You can be considered the best of the best and be suicidal inside. You can have it all and feel empty. You see, in all of these examples, the same thing rings true. The flesh lies to us repeatedly. The flesh keeps trying to sell us the lie that sin will satisfy, that sin will meet whatever need we have. Personal revenge, self-gratification, worldly success, they're all lies from the flesh, the thought patterns of the old man. He may be dead, but his memories, his habits, his behavior patterns, and his coping mechanisms live on, and sometimes they haunt us. Let me leave you with this this morning, closing observation. So just a few things here. Just know this, that we confront sin one day at a time. And every day we get up, and every day it's a choice. Will I think like the old man, or will I think like I am, the new man? Will I think like I was, you know, years ago in Christ? Will I dwell on my past mistakes? Will I dwell on my past hurts? Will I consider myself living a defeated life or will I know I have victory in Christ? We confront sin one day at a time. Secondly, note this, we overcome sin one thought at a time. One thought at a time. We don't defeat sin, we overcome it. One thought at a time. Here's what Paul wrote. For though we walk in the flesh, and here, flesh here, we talk about our physical body. We're in our physical body. We're walking in our physical body. Sometimes flesh means our physical body. Sometimes it means, you know, our old man thinking. So though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey God. Christ. Every thought is a choice. Will this thought, will I focus on the old man thinking? Will I focus on the new man thinking? And that's going to determine the outcome and whether or not I am victorious in Christ. Um, 
I got that out of place. Let me give you this third observation. We renew our minds one scripture at a time. And so that's what we do. How do you change your thoughts? How do you change your thinking? You focus on the Scripture. You focus on the Scriptures that tell you, that that cause you to look into the perfect law of liberty and see your reflection in Christ, to see who you are in Christ, to see your identity in Christ, and say, that's who I am. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be bitter. I don't have to be hateful. I don't have to be stressed out. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be scared. I don't have to be upset. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to be any of those things because that's not who I am in Christ. That is the reality. Let me give you go back to this one verse then. Um, Got to go backwards. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. Let me leave you here with this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Listen to this. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. It's where we set our mind. And I was thinking about that, you know, it's kind of like you think, I can pull this out, I just thought of this this morning, but you think about, we just had that celebrated, you call it D-Day, right? Is that the terminology right here? And all those forces stormed there and they gave up their life. And I'm thinking about a guy that's a Christian that's part of that and he's dropped off there on that beach and he's got to storm the beach of Normandy and, and he looks at that and he can sit there and he can be like afraid and he can be scared and he can be nervous and he can be worried about that. And yet there's a sense where he looks inside and he says, no, I've had the training and no, this is worth it. And he, he, he gets his, you know, all this thinking, all these thoughts to combat that. And I thought, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. Because he can come up with all those arguments. Well, I've been trained for this, and this is worth it, and, and I need to do this, that. And, and, and all you do is get in an, in an argument with your flesh. This is about setting your mind on things above. Setting your mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things. And you're in those situations when you're dropped on that beach and you got a charge in that, you set your mind on Christ and you say, okay, Christ in me the hope of glory. And, and you just give yourself to Christ in that moment. You don't argue it out. You don't look, for, you, just, you just look to Christ and that's really the reality of what we're talking about. And so, to overcome sin, we need to see ourselves as we are, not as we were. We need to think as we are and not as we were. And we need to remember this all week long. I used to be dead in sin, but thanks be to Christ. I am now dead to, dead to sin. Let's say that all together as we wrap up. Let's, let's say that together, okay? I used to be dead in sin, but thanks be to Christ, I am now dead to sin. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the victory of the cross. Thank you the cross gives us something to believe in. And thank you the empty tomb gives us something to receive. And we receive your life and we receive your power. We receive your grace and your glory. And We just want you this week, Lord, to tell your story through our story for your glory. We just want you to remind us every day that we're a new creation in Christ. Our old man has been defeated. He's been buried. He's in the grave. And Lord, now we have the power to stand up to sin when it attacks us. We have the power, the power in you to stand up and overcome it for your glory, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.